This is episode 35 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm here with my co-host, Jerry Burris, who has a special surprise for us tonight. Um, for those for those really who listen, <laughs> for those who listen to episode 33 of the podcast, they'd know that uh, there was a bet between the two of us on our fantasy football matchup, and the loser had to write a poem about the other the other one. So, yeah. uh, in in what was expected, but it was a very close battle, and we'll talk about the battle soon. Uh, Jerry did lose. Uh, we have nobody playing on Monday Night Football, so um, Jerry, you know, whenever you're ready, go ahead and uh, let's let's hear this poem. I'd well, like to, well, actually, I, I got some background music for you. I'd like to preface this uh, this poem, though. I've been a little influenced by Eminem's new track, uh, Campaign Trail or Campaign Speech. And, oh, so, uh, so I'll turn off the Titanic uh, yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, if you get okay. rid of that, I need a little bit more of a, a grittier, grittier uh, bass line. This will be All more right. like a slam poetry thing. You ready? Oh, maybe we have uh, – how about this? Uh uh, I think I might have a good one for you. Uh, instrumental. <laughs> Hold on a second. Here we go. Just this is great radio right now. We I know that, but don't worry about it. Waiting always makes for great radio. <laughs> and here we go. Oh, the, the Rockwilder instrumental. Yeah. Okay. This beats this beat won't work with it though. But I That's like where fine. your head's at. No, All right, whenever you're ready. Ser- no, I'm serious. Like the beat won't work. <laughs> you're not a true artist. No. Okay. No, it's more Let's of a it. flow thing. Ready? <clears throat> Ode to Luke. Smacked in the face by the reality of mediocrity, I humbly submit this poetic novelty. This weekend wasn't ravishing. Statistics poured into reservoirs while my wide receivers couldn't even score, while Brady <laughs> soars over Go- uh, Goodell's forehead. The Browns are looking like abortions. Luke's squad limps on, chasing fortune, so his wife can shop at the knitting store. Matthew Barry looks like Skeletor and doesn't like Luke's words towards him. You can block him or ignore him, but Luke uses Twitter like a swordsman. Luke's like our doorman. His words are coursing through his veins down to his foreskin. His words are fire that'll keep you warm, even through a nor'easter storm. And if you think this poem is nothing more than just another boring story, remember you clicked on Never Ending Glory. Oh, wow. Wow. That's pretty much what I did all day at work. That was that was very impressive. That you're right. That was uh, slam poetry, much much similar to uh, Nick Cannon, who has put on this uh, thing into the slam poetry. Uh, Howard Stern plays it all the time. But that was impressive. I actually thought you're going to take a few more shots at me. Um, no, no, no. It's supposed to be a celebration, but there was a couple. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much, Jeff, for your hard work. You put a lot of work into that, and it's uh, it definitely showed. Um, it was a, a a matchup that went down to that ever so boring Sunday night football game. Yeah, uh, came down to uh, I had Larry Fitzgerald and Jerry had uh, Jimmy Graham and Fitzgerald just point pounded had like eight catches for 40 yards, nothing special, but I did get the 134.08 to 126.86 win. And what's amazing about this is we're going to talk about our point pounders for week seven. And out of the point pounders that we mentioned, Jerry had four of them on his team with two of them on the bench, unfortunately, but, um, the two highest scorers. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's always a bad beat. 
Um, but let's get into the Point Pounders in a second. But first, tell the people where to find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Send us messages on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast, on email, negpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud. Search for Never Ending Glory Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and uh, download on iTunes. Let's get those those downloads up. And, of course, we have the Indians making it to the World Series, so be yeah. sure to check out our uh, Major League Baseball college or major league baseball show their twitter handles neg pod mlb and then of course college football show neg pod cfb so week seven point pounders jerry i'll let you i'll let you introduce uh the the players that we felt were the best point pounders because again you know them oh so well since half of them were on your starting lineup and half of them were on your bench well should we go right into my guys uh, yeah let's i'll start go, with you right through my team well let's see uh thursday night did not start Devonte adams um, yes. was on my roster and decided to bench him. Thought we were going another direction. I just didn't like that 4 o'clock game on the previous Sunday and then coming off the short week. I didn't know if he'd be um, a major factor, and he ended up being you know 13 for 132 and two touchdowns for, let's see, what did he score, 33 in our league? Yeah, about 33 points. Yeah, 33 points. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. So well, I'm, wa- I mean- I'm watching that happen and just like punching <laughs> myself, thinking <laughs> – I would have loved to start the weekend off with a 33-point lead. Right. right. But also we have to remember that we were talking about the Green Bay offense as a whole and how lost they looked the week prior. So I don't think that was a bad start per se. And especially because you know I had him in uh, three leagues. I benched him in one league and cut him in two. So I was real pumped about that. Uh, remember, he it was a Thursday night game, and he did go down with uh, what looked like a pretty bad concussion. Um, so I didn't think he'd be ready for Thursday night, but obviously he was, he was targeted 16 times, brought in 13 balls, two of them for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Uh, so very impressive. And yeah, you definitely would have liked to have him, uh, more than the 3.2 points he got from Stefan Diggs that night. Oh, gross. Yeah. So, you know, Devontae Adams moving forward. Um, you know, it looks like, it looks like Jordy Nelson just is not a 100% and maybe he'll never be the same player he was after that ACL tear. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens with Devontae Adams moving forward, You know whether or not defenses will start keying in on him and seeing if Jordy Nelson can even beat them anymore. Um, and I'm a big Jordy Nelson fan, so I'm hoping he can. But in the meantime, Devontae Adams is an every-week starter no matter what. I think if he's on your roster in 12-team leagues, he's worth a wide receiver three look or even a flex look. In our league where we play 14 teams, he's absolutely an every-week starter at the wide receiver three spot. Um, anything bigger than that, like 16-team leagues, it's obviously a no-brainer. So uh, Devontae Adams is absolutely playing himself into a starting role, not only with the the Green Bay Packers, but also your fantasy squads. Yeah, he's definitely going to be uh, starting every week now. Yeah, But uh, let's go on to the next guy who stayed <laughs> on my bench, um, Matt Forte. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I saw he scored a, a receiving touchdown early in the day. I was like, all right, you know, I could kind of get away with it. And then he finished the day with 30 uh, rushes, 100 yards, and a touchdown. He had four catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown uh, receiving. Um, and if you would have said point blank, gun to my head, on Saturday evening, is Matt Forte going to touch the ball over 30 times? I said, you're, you're high, to quote our, our <laughs> co-host. Um, that's not happening. And – there it happens. How old is he? Thirty three or thirty four? I think he's younger than that. I think he's like thirty two. Um, okay, but he, 32. I mean, he's an older, he's an older player. I mean, he's definitely over that thirty year old threshold. Um, and and the thing about Forte is, 
is that he has absolutely struggled the past four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had 30. So against Buffalo in week two, he had 30 rush attempts again for 100 yards, but this time three touchdowns. Huge game. And then for the next four weeks, he really did absolute, absolutely nothing. Uh, 15 rushes for 65 yards, 14 for 27, 12 for 53. And then last week, he only had nine rushes for 19 yards. So now he's going against Baltimore, which is allowing, you know, the, the least amount of rushing yards in the, in the NFL. So I don't blame you for sitting him, especially when we talk about the two options that you had that you, yeah. you played over him. Um, I don't blame you, but it's just out of nowhere, uh, you know, Geno Smith got hurt. Ryan Fitzpatrick was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I mean, still, that wasn't a very great game by Matt Forte. I mean, 30 ca- runs for 100 yards. That's less than three yards a carry yeah, that's or old, a little that's over th- old school running back. Yeah. Runners. But but in our league where we get a quarter point per carry, it's, it's pretty nice. Um but, yeah, a great game by Forte. I'm curious to see. I mean, obviously he has a great matchup against Cleveland next week and then against Miami the week after. So two pretty good matchups. I think it's getting to the point where he might be must start. However, he is an older player, as we mentioned. I'm pulling up his page right now. He is 30. He's actually 30. He'll be 31 this year. Um, but you know, he's shown that after having a 30 carry game, he's really struggled. So I, 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 I'm tentative to hold on to him. I'm sorry, tentative to start him next week against Cleveland, but the matchup is so hard not to that. I mean, we just saw what Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard did to the Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll, you'll be in a little bit of a pickle next week because of the next two players, uh, on your running back rotation. Now I've heard his name on television several times, and I think we've been saying it wrong all along. I don't care. I don't care. I was not going to change it. Um, <laughs> as he was called uh, in CBS, Jay Ajay. Um, yeah, I don't like I don't that. Like, I, don't I don't like that either. Ajayi. I prefer mm-hmm. that. So I'm going to stay with that. But yep. uh, Jay Ajayi had 28 carries, 214, and one rushing touchdown. Um, back-to-back 200-yard games and – does the trend continue? I mean, at this point, if you don't start him, you, you're going to look like a fool when he does it for a third time. But math and you know statistics say the likelihood of that are not going to happen. So I'm kind of stuck between him and then I look at Aaron Blunt. Then we get into right. him in a second. Ajayi, you know, you go back and look at week one, he didn't even make the trip to Seattle. Okay, this right. guy was left behind because he was pouting. The stories come out. You know, I saw it today on Monday Morning Quarterback. He literally was pouting so bad that Gase said, you're not coming on the plane with us. Right. That's high school shit. Yeah. It's, it, and so he's a bigger dude. I didn't realize like his kind of his background was in soccer. He was born in London. Mm-hmm. He's got great feet and he's got great agility, but he also has the physicality that you look for in NFL back. Um, you know, when I drafted him, I talked a lot of crap about it, but I didn't really know exactly what we were getting in, in, him as a player. So this is this has all been kind of fortuitous. You know, it started off really, <laughs> really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, so it's going to be interesting where he goes from here. Yeah, it was, you know, Jay Ajayi, as we're going to continue to call him, was kind of the running joke of the Never Ending Glory podcast and our group of friends in our fantasy league just because uh, you took him, you know, at a time where – you took him much earlier than uh, probably where he should have gone. But – um, and I kept saying it was because it. Arian Foster's groin can't last right. two weeks. Right, right. But, um, you know, I mean, he's done it the past two weeks. Obviously, the fourth player in NFL history to rush for over 200 yards in back-to-back games. Um, 
looking actually at his schedule and your team, you're going to be playing him. You will not be playing him next week because he will be on a bye. So you'll probably be rolling with Forte and uh, LeGarrette Blunt. But in the end, I mean, he has the starting spot on lockdown right now at running back for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So I see absolutely no reason why, especially this week, or I'm sorry, next week, uh, going against the Jets, who have been reeling slightly. I see no reason why you wouldn't start him and why you wouldn't expect at least RB2 numbers. Listen, is he going to score? Is he going to rush for 200 yards again? Highly unlikely. But they fed him the ball 25 and 28 times the past two games. He's going to continue to get the ball, and he's going to probably continue to be a focal point of that offense because Ryan Tannehill and the rest of the Dolphins really can't get anything going. Um, and he just – Ajayi seems like he is the focal point of that offense right now. Yeah, what I noticed from the game was if you go back and watch um, – I remember the Dolphins game versus the Browns. They're in way more three-receiver and four-receiver sets, and now they're trying to create wider uh, surfaces with some more tight ends and stuff, and they're, they're really trying to give him lanes to run through. Um, right. When you spread the defense out, he's good at making that one cut, getting vertical, and getting five, six, seven yards – when he's trying to be like, you know, almost like a zone read type guy, which, you know, Tannehill comes from, he's not that guy. He's definitely right. much more of a downhill runner, almost like a DeMarco Murray. Right. And I actually just want to say something because Bleacher Report Bleacher Report just sent me and we're we're recording this on Monday night. Um Bleacher Report just sent out a blast saying that four time Pro Bowl running back Arian Foster announces his retirement. Are you serious? So, yeah, so I mean that only helps out your uh, that only helps out your JAJE prospects even more. He doesn't have to worry about the the cluster of running backs um, in the Miami Dolphins backfield. You know, with Arian Foster out, that means that it is a JAJE's. Uh, right. it, it's his backfield and his backfield only. So, well, buy low, sell high. Who's interested? <laughs> yeah, so uh, pretty good, Jer. Uh, you know, you didn't get the you didn't get the W against me, but I think overall. Uh, I'd be much happier with where your team is at with your running backs than where my team's at right now, considering I'm probably going to be starting Don Jackson in our league this week. <laughs> and <laughs> we'll talk uh, about that's, him. That's Marky's favorite guy. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about him uh, later on. But um, finally, we, we mentioned LeGarrette Blunt as one of our point pounders. Yeah. And he started against me as well when you played him. So you started LeGarrette Blunt and Jaye. So the two top scoring running backs this week. Or two of them. Uh, we actually haven't talked about the number one running back yet. We'll talk. We'll say that for last. But Blunt, twenty four rushes, one hundred twenty seven yards, two touchdowns. He keeps on doing it, and it's again in a Tom Brady led offense. It's very surprising that he continues to get not only this type of yardage, but this many rushing attempts. I mean, I can't remember the last running back in a Patriots offense other than like Antoine Smith back in the early 2000s that was getting 20-plus carries a game. Especially it's the Steelers. You know, the right. Steelers don't give up over 100 yards rushing to anybody. Um, that, so it was a little shocking. It just seemed like they were, they were a little out of sorts throwing the ball downfield. Uh, they were locking up a little bit, taking away Julian, Edelman. I mean, they didn't stop Gronk, but they take away Edelman and Hogan. and then But they, well, were, they, giving they, the, they were giving up the run. But they tried to st- – so in the first half, they actually did stop Gronk and Martellus Bennett. And you really saw a ton of rush attempts by Blunt because they just couldn't get the ball to the receivers. Uh, so Brady was taking what the defense was giving him, and Blunt was was getting chunk yardage. You know, he's mm-hmm. getting like five, six, seven yards of carry. Um, he was kind of the focal point of the offense in the first half. 
And then in the second half, they saw a little bit more breathing room. They were able to get Gronk more involved. Edelman, had, I think, had like eight or nine catches yesterday. And, you know, and then Gronk obviously found the, or I'm sorry, um, uh, Blunt actually found the end zone twice. So it ended up being a, a great day for him, obviously. He's a top 10 running back. I'm just really curious how much longer this is going to last. Well, I think it be, that it could be over to next week. James White could be catching, you know, twelve balls out of the backfield. Like, right, right. Their offense is so flexible; you never know. Right. So that's my only concern with Garrett Blunt because he's honestly, I have seen him in the Patriots backfield. I think this is probably his. This is his second stint with the Patriots. I think he was on the team for three years total, three out of the past four years, and he was always maddening. Like he'd run. It was like he ran a yard and fell down. He just was not fun to watch whatsoever. But he's actually turning into a little bit more of a dynamic back this year. And that was has been very unexpected. I mean, he hits the hole faster. He's able to to, to read the uh, read what the defense is giving him. He's able to follow his blocks. He, he's been a much different running back than what I have seen in New England for the past few years. So that's a good thing. I think if he obviously continues to do that, Belichick, can't can't help but give him the ball because he is not just your let me just get the first down you know move the sticks he's actually a huge part of their game plan so far um you know this early into the season so it's going to be hit or miss there could be a game where he only has eight touches based on the game flow but uh for the time being i think more often than not you're going to get solid fantasy play from Legarrette blunt yeah it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult not to start him Um, right in, in lieu of what Matt Forte is going to do when I have all three available and one's not on a buy. So we'll see. Yeah. A good problem to have. Yeah, sure. Um, finally, the number one point pounder of the week, and he just continues to be an amazing fantasy football back NFL running back. Not so much, but <laughs> Melvin, Melvin Gordon just continues to score points. Uh, he had almost 40 points in our league this week, which is crazy. 22 rushes, 68 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then six receptions, 53 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. So he's on pace for like, I think it's up to like 22, 23 touchdowns now, but he's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. So is he the most inefficient, great fantasy football running back ever? I think he's got to be up there. I mean, how many touchdowns does Jeff Kuhn have from inside the two? John Coon. Uh, John Coon, I'm sorry. Again, I've called him Jeff. <laughs> um, that's the only other name that pops in my mind, even though I said the wrong one. Well, but, like, I mean, Trent, Trent Richardson, you know, he, he had, what, like 300 carries for 900 yards and 12 touchdowns as a rookie? Yeah, yeah. He's pretty yeah. – Eddie George is pretty inefficient back in the day. Um, it's just, you know, a lot of these touchdowns are one-yard dives, so you really can't say much about that. But um, – I mean, hey, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, keep riding the hot hand. I suggested, I think, about two weeks ago that you trade him. And I, I don't want to say there's egg on my face now, but I will say that I, I think that his value is at an all-time high. And if you can move him in, you know, a redraft league for a solid wide receiver one and, you know, uh, a low-end RB2, you know, I think you have to consider that just because the eventually it's going to catch up to him. I just don't see him – continuing to score at this clip um but i don't he's just he's a he's a tough player to really project and judge right now because he really isn't that great at football but he is a a well-rounded player who's able to obviously catch the ball out of the backfield and has a nose for the end zone 
It'd be interesting to see how the next couple of weeks go if you can keep up this pace. I I don't believe it. If I had him right now, I'd be trying to move him probably. Right. So those were our week seven point pounders. We'll get to our week eight point pounders soon. But first, let's talk about some of the storylines and waiver waiver wire options. Obviously, we're recording this on Monday. We'll release it on Tuesday, so we'll be in time for your your waiver wire pickups. Um, and the first player I want to talk about who's probably not on your waiver wire, or I mean, if if he is, you have to run and get him right now. But Ty Montgomery, who has churned out yet another solid PPR performance for the Green Bay Packers, he's the de facto third down back, uh, considering that Eddie Lacy and James Starks are both down. And Niall Davis came in and Don Jackson came in and they didn't do much. Um, Ty Montgomery is the running back to own in Green Bay. This week he had nine rushes for 60 yards and 10 receptions for 66 yards. And, you know, we talked about the the Packers offense last week and how they really have struggled without a running back. And this week it just seemed like Ty Montgomery on the Thursday night game against the Bears just looked 10 times better than he did last week the first time, you know, in action as a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your thought process on Ty Montgomery? Is this something that we're going to continue to see? Is this a trend or is this kind of just, you know, teams don't have a lot of tape on him. They don't really know how to stop it. He reminds me of what the Patriots like to do. You yeah. Know, get the, get a scat back out of the, um, the backfield, line him up as an X motion him, do different things with them. And that's what he gives them is some versatility in their offense. Listen, there's no running back back there that they can pound the ball 28 times with. And like they did try to do with Eddie Lacy. Right. So if you're going to go away from that, might as well go go all in on your passing attack. Spread the ball around, you know, spread the defense out, make him defend 53 and a third, and let him find those open spots in the middle, almost like in the way that like Stanford uses uh, the McCaffrey kid. You know, yeah. be versatile with him back there. Yeah, and and you know, you hit the nail on the head with the, the Patriots comparison. Um, I think that what the Packers are realizing is that. Jordy Nelson is struggling, and will he ever be back to his pre-ACL form? We don't know. But in the meantime, they have to adapt because they still have one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL still under center, and that's Aaron Rodgers. And while their offense back when he was the MVP was predicated on deep balls and big plays to Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb, I think they're realizing, we definitely saw this last year, that Randall Cobb isn't a true number one receiver. Is he a number two receiver? Even that could be in question. Um, but they have to find different ways to get Aaron Rodgers involved with his receivers. So by being creative and, and getting Ty Montgomery out of the backfield and doing dinking and dunking that way, playing a fast-paced offense, um, I think that is definitely going to play the strengths of their skill players in Green Bay. And you'll continue to see Ty Montgomery playing the, you know, I'm going to throw it back here, the Kevin Falk role in that in green bay and those were really the offenses that made the patriots of the early 2000s great Mm -hmm. you know they never had the the big receiver who had you know 16 touchdowns and 1600 yards they always had a bunch of role guys like david Patton or troy brown or um i can't even think of the the tight end's name at this at this point uh but then they had you know kevin falk uh, and then they had a solid running back like Antoine Smith, but, which is the only thing Green Bay is missing. So if defenses can figure it out, that could be that could be a little bit tricky for them. But in the meantime, I mean, Ty Montgomery is on pace to become the next like PPR guy that could win you your league. 
And we're starting to see it because right now, uh, Roto World is putting him as they're saying that he is considered a running back. So if he ends up getting that running back wide receiver eligibility, that is huge for for fantasy football because if you're struggling at running back, you can plug him in at running back. If you need a wide receiver, you plug him in at wide receiver. And if his role continues to stay that the way that it is, he's aver- he's going to average between six and eight receptions a game. Yeah, if he's not um, on your squad and, and still out there, then your league has some issues. Uh, I know I tried to put in for him last week and yeah. uh, missed the boat on quite a bit <laughs> on my bid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys are going to again. Like, I, I really think that he is a player that could be a league winner. Um, and the question I have for you now is: Do you think that he is more of a asset in redraft leagues or dynasty leagues? See, I think redraft because I, this is off season. They need to address a couple things. I think they need some more depth at offensive line, but there's going to be some running back talent. There's this kid out in is it San Diego State? who is dominating the nation in, in uh, rushing yards. He reminds me of kind of like a David Johnson. He's a little bit smaller. I don't mm-hmm. remember his name. And there's going to be some guys like that, you know, because he's – David Johnson's kind of set the table. He said, you don't have to be, you know, an Alabama running back to be a guy that's going to be successful in the NFL. you got to be a little bit bigger, a little stronger. you got to be fast, but you got to be durable. And it just does not seem like Eddie Lacy is going to be the guy for the future in the, in the, the Packers uh, running back situation. Right. Right. No, I and I agree with you 100% on that one. Um, I don't think that Montgomery is a long-term option, but it's interesting to see that he can play the role. He's a cheap option for them. I think he was like a third or fourth round pick. So he, he signed to a cheap deal for two more years. Um, so maybe they draft a pounder and they keep him as the the third down scat back type. But I, I think I think his value is definitely has a lot more in redraft than Dynasty. In Dynasty, I probably wouldn't be willing to give up more than like a second round rookie draft pick for um, Ty Montgomery. But I'll tell you right now, in, in a redraft league, I'm looking at giving up, you know, a, a solid RB2 or maybe even like a you know, a, a tight end type, like a Travis Kelsey type for, for Ty Montgomery. I think that's pretty fair value. Um, obviously, it depends on what your team needs, what the other person's team needs, but that's kind of the caliber of player that I'd be willing to give up for, for Montgomery services. So if I have Jay Ajayi and I've got Matt Forte and I've got LeGarrette Blunt, would, yeah. you, would you move one of those guys for a Ty Montgomery? Um. Yeah, I think I would probably try to give. I mean, obviously you're you're pretty you got a bunch of great running backs. Um, I'd probably try to hold on to Ajayi because his buy is coming up next week mm-hmm. or this upcoming week. So, uh, you know, that's kind of just a, a strategy I like to use in my trades. Obviously, try to bring in a guy that has either already had his buy or has a buy coming up soon, so that way you don't have to worry about it. Um, so, you know, maybe give up. Again, I'd probably give up. I'd offer LeGarrette Blunt for, for a Ty Montgomery right now. I think that's a pretty fair trade. Yeah. Uh, and, and then again, you know, the, the reason being is because there's so many question marks surrounding uh, LeGarrette Blunt's week-to-week usage. At least you know what they're going to do with Montgomery. With Blunt, again, he could have a eight touch game or he could have a thirty touch game. You really don't know week to week with Belichick. So that was some free advice. You just wanted to use that, huh? I, Thank I you very I, much. Typically, you're, you're doing. trying to get stuff off of me, so I figured uh, let's reverse this here. <laughs> I do need a running back for next week, so we can talk after the after the broadcast. Um, 
Speaking of running backs who I like, and I've already sent uh, our fellow league mate a question asking if he's willing to trade this guy. Uh, Chris Thompson for the Redskins ended up getting a ton of carries and a few catches with Matt Jones fumbling for the second time in the game uh, yesterday against the Lions. Thompson finished with a stat line of 12 rushes for 73 yards and seven catches for 40 yards. And I've actually kind of had my eye on Chris Thompson for a while. Uh, funny story, I picked him up in a league where I was desperate for running backs. And because I'm a glutton for for pain, I decided to start Don Jackson over Chris Thompson. So that, that didn't work out for me. Um, but, you know, he has 15 catches coming into this game. Uh, he now has 22 in the season. But last year as a rookie, he was pretty solid and had 35 catches. Uh, so now Chris, Chris um, Thompson could potentially be the number one running back if Matt Jones continues to fumble the ball in Washington. And, and I don't think he'll ever be the clear-cut number one like Ajayi is turning into. But, uh, I mean, Chris Thompson could be a solid pickup for a team really looking for running back. He's not heavily um, uh, owned in Yahoo leagues, and he probably still could be picked up for pretty cheap in trade. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Chris Thompson moving forward? Um, you know what? I did not get a chance to see him play against the Lions. Um, I was watching the Browns, you know, putz their way through that game. But he is a PPR guy. And in our league, you know, where PPRs can really, really affect the game, um, he's got some serious value. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, Jay Gruden said he's got some fumbling issues, so it's kind of you're kind of taking a risk when it comes to that. But he's an RB two if you need him for a spot. Um, you know, if you got a guy on a buy, but it's, he's definitely not going to be an RB one for your team. Right. Yeah, I don't think I trust him week to week, but I think he's a solid fill-in and could be a, a good you know backup running back if you ever. You know, maybe your your running back is going against the Vikings or the Eagles or the or the Packers, one of the tough run defenses. Yeah, and you and you need a solid, you know, ten to twelve points. Chris Thompson could be that guy. So I think he'll probably be one of the top waiver wire pickups this week. And if you're able to grab him, I think you're you're pretty happy with that. Um, Cordero Patterson, who has in dynasty circles, uh, Cordero's you know the new four letter word. He was oozing with talent as he came out of Tennessee and never really lived up to the hype. He couldn't turn into that complete receiver type. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl as a rookie for uh, his kick return skills. But since then, he's been unable to really break onto the field as a solid receiver. But he's had 16 catches and two touchdowns in the past three games. And he has some favorable matches coming up the next three weeks at Chicago versus Detroit and at Washington. So with Laquan, um, Laquan Treadwell struggling to, you know, be on the field his rookie year, he's been a healthy and active the past few weeks. Uh, Patterson could continue to produce wide receiver numbers and he could be a solid guy for your bench, a solid flex play, uh, with the bias coming up, he could be a starter for you. I actually went against him in a 14-team league last week. He scored a touchdown against me. Fortunately, I still got the W. But Patterson is turning into a complete wide receiver, it looks like. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. The Minnesota Vikings are kind of interesting with the way they treat their young wide receivers. It's kind of like they have to go through a uh, almost like a hazing process, um, <laughs> work their way into the starting lineup because, I mean, 
Lacan Treadwell is a ghost. He's he's right. a clipboard holding, you know, hoodie wearing guy on the sideline. Um, Cordero Patterson kind of started there um, after being, you know, a hyped up rookie. He was a return guy, and that's kind of what his role's been. But he's kind of working in um, after it's been what is this his fourth year? Yeah, yeah, I think it's fourth year. So there's some growing pains when it comes to receivers there, but I do like his speed. It's elite. He's a freak. He's one of those freak size guys, and it was the freak speed. And there's no reason he shouldn't be successful in that offense. Right. So his contract's coming up. Um, he will be a free agent next year. But I'm think because he was a first round pick, the Vikings do own the. Um, the first round tender or the the option that they can put on him, but he, he would be super expensive, like probably in like the ten to twelve million range. So I don't expect them to to put that uh, to give him that contract. But but yeah, I I, I really like Patterson. Uh, just again, his skill set that you mentioned, just mm-hmm. his his freak elite speed. Uh, if you can put it all together, obviously athleticism is going to get you far in the NFL field. However, if you don't have the mentality for it, then that's a, a challenge. But it seems like again, he's growing as a player and as a receiver. So, you know, do you think that again? Let's ask the question: Is his redraft or his dynasty value higher at this point? I think actually his dynasty value is a little bit higher, but he's not. Um, a guy you want to sell the farm for. He's still a two or a three in their offense, but he is one of their stretch guys. He's going to take the top off, and uh, he might even get you some special teams points as well. Sure. And and the other thing we have to mention too is that, again, he could be a free agent this year and or this offseason. So if he's a free agent and signs with a team that's a little bit more pass-happy than the Vikings, then we could see him blossom into potentially an everyday fantasy starter for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next receiver I want to talk about that has played well the past three weeks, and I'm surprised he found the end zone again for the third time in a row, is my old friend, uh, Brandon LaFell. I watched him for the Patriots the past two years, and two years ago he was great. Last year he was absolutely terrible. But um, LaFell, again, three straight games with a touchdown. Uh, he's had four over those three games. And he might lose some targets with a healthy Tyler Eifert coming back, but he has continuously uh, outplayed Tyler Boyd in the uh, in the Cincinnati receiving core, and many thought that LaFell would uh, be overtaken by Boyd as a number two receiver uh, next to A.J. Green, but LaFell continues to have a solid role in this Bengals offense, and I, I think he should be owned in every league if he isn't already. Uh, if he is, or if he isn't, then, then try to pick him up in free agency this week, but uh LaFell, a big, tall target. He's going to piss you off because he has a lot of drops, but he can make the highlight play every now and again. That that offense is – it was interesting watching against the Browns. Eifert back, you know, it definitely opens up the middle a little bit more at leaving. You know, if you're if you're going to double cover A.J. Green, which he needs every play, then yeah. LaFell's got to be that, a player. That Hail Mary was so ridiculous, the yeah. one-handed catch that he bobbled like four times and brought it in. I mean, I, I know that he played against your your Browns, but you have to watch that play and be like, oh, my God, how did he pull that off? Whatever. I mean, it's fine. I don't really care about that. But, I mean, I don't really care that we gave that up. I, I thought it was an awesome play, an individual play, and an individual effort by him. Um, but – you mentioned Boyd. He, I don't think he's understanding the offense yet, and he hasn't really found a role. And right. it's probably going to get delayed even more. Meaning, LaFell's got to get numbers. Um, you can't you can't single up AJ Green. You just can't do it, as yeah. the round showed. And it's going to leave him open. And if that's the case, he's got to perform. 
Well, and and now that you mentioned that Eifert came back and he he played limited snaps, I think he was only in for eight snaps um, as they try to wean him back or uh, bring him back slowly from that ankle and back injury. And you're going to see Eifert have a larger role in the offense. And if that's the case, then obviously A.J. Green probably won't see as many double teams. um, But that's going to open it up for LaFell even more. But at the same time, in the red zone, Eifert's an absolute red zone freak. Mm -hmm. So he's going to take away a lot of those touchdown opportunities from LaFell. So, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword there where, yeah, maybe between the 20s, he's going to, LaFell will see more targets and touches. But once it gets to the red zone where LaFell's really been making his money the past few weeks, I think those could end up being uh, Tyler Eifert's, Eifert's targets. Sure. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, not everything is positive in fantasy football. So I do want to talk about uh, a couple muddy situations and, and, you know, try to work people through uh, what we can kind of expect from these these running back by committees or just offenses in general uh, moving forward for the next few weeks. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Kansas City's backfield. I mean, you know, we were talking a few weeks ago about how Jamal Charles was going to come back and take all the touches away from Spencer Ware. But that's obviously not the case, huh, Jer? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting. Is it, is it something physical? Is, there, is his knee still not all there? Or yeah. are they really just liking Spencer Ware's game? Well, I mean, I think it's a mix of two things. Spencer Ware has looked phenomenal the, the past or throughout the whole season. He's he's currently a low-end RB1. Um, Jamal's left ACL, which is the one he tore, uh, was swelling last week, and he had an MRI on both knees, which that's never good for a 30-year-old running back coming off of no. uh, an ACL injury who, who whose game is predicated on his, his explosiveness. No, it's, it's not going to be good for them. It, he looks – I don't know. I forget. How old is Jamal Charles? Is he 29? I think he's 30 now. He's 30 now? I mean, I hate to say it, but 30 really is the moment where things are starting to change. And – He's coming off how many knee surgeries? He's just not as explosive as he once was. He's he's kind of like the brand name, you know. Jamal Charles has been a, the the guy that everyone drafted way too early in some years, and he was out due to injury. He's just not back to where he was um, a couple years ago. Yeah, he'll be he'll be thirty in December. Um, this is his second ACL surgery. I can't remember if it's on the same knee. I think it's just, I think he's had uh, surgery on both knees. And yeah, we've already we've always known Jamal Charles as uh, the explosive home run hitter. I mean, I think one year he averaged like six yards per carry, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, where is it? Six point four, six point nine. Out of the six point nine, he only played in two games. But in a full season, in sixteen games. Over 230 uh, rushing attempts in 2010, he had 6.4 yards per carry, which is I think that was an all-time record. It's either I think it's tied with one of the one of the Hall of Fame greats. Uh, I should I should know this off the top of my head. I apologize, I don't. But um, you know, I think I think you might be right. Or not only that, but just he he hasn't fully come back yet. He might still have the chance to do something down the road in his career. But as of right now. I think they have to limit his touches and continue to ride Spencer Ware until either Jamal's 100% healthy or they just realize that Spencer Ware is the the better running back there. And I do have to give a shout-out to our good friend Nick Verne. He called this. He said that Jamal Charles will not be on the Kansas City Chiefs next year because his contract's ridiculous and Spencer Ware and he said he did say Charkandrick West would also outplay Jamal Charles, but he did mention Spencer Ware outplaying Jamal Charles. And as of right now, 
Nick looks like he was pretty damn spot on in that assessment. I hate giving credit to Nick for him, but <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Another backfield that you saw a ton of and uh, much to our good friend Schillig, his chagrin. We're going to talk about it again this week. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals backfield, you know, what to make of it right now. Jeremy Hill really struggled in every game this season except for his two-touchdown performance against the Broncos. And he last week got benched for Gio Bernard, even in goal line and short yardage situations. And this past week against the Browns, he uh, Gio Bernard outtouched Jamal, um, sorry Jeremy Hill uh, almost two to one. And after a long touch, a long run, Gio Bernard also vultured a touchdown from Jeremy Hill. So moving forward with this backfield, I mean, what do you expect? It was always the thunder and lightning where Jeremy Hill would be the early down guy, the short yardage back, and Gio Bernard was more of the, the change of pace back, third down receiver, uh, receiving back. I mean, where do you see this this backfield going going forward? Because obviously you got to see a lot of them on Sunday. Well, it's hard to don't use the Browns as like a measuring stick for other defenses, but it's it. I would say it's going to be more in the fifty fifty split. Um, it, it's it's a matchup based thing. If Gio's in a situation where he's getting one on one against linebackers and, and getting balls out of the backfield, they're going to leave him in. But you know, if Jeremy Hill can go, that's that's a major factor to their offense where they can chew up clock. He can get chunks, keep keep them on schedule, um, and and just keep moving the ball down the field. That's what they did. The Browns they could not match him physically, right? And that's why he got the that uh, touchdown when Bernard was in for an extended amount of time. Um, it's hard to call. It really is a matchup based thing, but I would think it's going to be pretty even. Yeah, I just think that you know Hill's got a lot of talent. He's shown it uh, two years ago as a rookie, uh, but he is inconsistent, and that is that is tough to. Uh, to rely on week to week as your RB two, I think right now um, the lower ceiling is Gio Bernard, but he's got a much higher floor than Jeremy Hill. I mean, Hill could easily have a game, you know, ten rushes for thirty nine yards, whereas you know Bernard's at least going to get a couple catches and he should finish with at least forty to fifty rushing yards. So I guess if you had to have somebody for the rest of the year as a safer bet, give me Bernard. But if if you're looking for if you have three running backs and you can play the matchups, then then Jeremy Hill against a, a weak run defense is is usually a, a pretty good choice. Sure. Um, so this backfield, I I need to stay away from, and fortunately, I've been able to. I, I went down the the Dwayne the Dwayne Washington road for a little bit, but uh, cut him. Fortunately, uh, the Lions backfield is just ugly right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to tell who sucks the most. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at this point, uh, obviously they're waiting for Theo Riddick to come back from an ankle injury. Same with Dwayne, Dwayne Washington, the rookie. Um, they brought in Justin Forsett, who just he got cut by the Ravens, and he just has really struggled this season. Obviously, he just signed that big contract with um, the big extension with the Ravens after having that big fantasy season two years ago, but he hasn't lived up to it. Uh, and and right now they got Zach Zenner. Um, he sucked, but he had a goal line touchdown. So in, I think I think the difference here is is obviously if Theo Riddick is playing and he's healthy, he's the only running back you really want to own in Detroit until we see a little bit more from Dwayne Washington because you know he was given the opportunity to get a ton of uh, a ton of carries and some good playing time, but he wasn't able to capitalize and he ended up getting injured. So um, 
with that being the case, you know, stay away from this this backfield until we see something more from uh, from Theo Riddick or see that he can he can get healthy again. Agreed. Uh, another backfield that has uh, its injury issues right now are the uh, the Buffalo Bills. So, can you tell me what the hell Rex Ryan's doing messing around with Sean McCoy in a bad hamstring? No, I don't. I mean, he may have, he may have cost himself a job with with what he did with LaShawn McCoy. I mean, who else is going to be the focal point of that offense? Right, right. I mean, obviously they're down. I mean, not only is their running backs banged up, but they're down Sammy Watkins with a foot injury. Uh, Robert Woods was out last week with a foot injury. So now they're relying on uh, offense predicated around uh, Charles Clay and Mike Gillisley. And Justin Hunter, who was newly signed, and Marquise Goodwin, who's just nothing more than than a, a burner down the sideline, and, he, and he's got a concussion now, so he's even questionable for Week Eight. Um, it's just LeSean McCoy has had hamstring injuries in, uh, issues in the past. If he had him last year, like I did, it was absolutely brutal because he popped his hammy in, in uh, preseason, and just never was the same. But now he pulls his hamstring and on like Wednesday or Thursday and Rex decides it'd be a good idea to play him against Miami on Sunday. And he ends up having 11 carries for 18 yards and re aggravates his hamstring and now has a huge game against new England coming up in week eight that could almost decide the division. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know what the hell Rex Ryan's doing with his running back here. No, I don't either. It's, it's, it's probably going to cost him his job. I mean, he's probably on the hot seat with guys like Gus Bradley and, um, it's kind of criminal what he's what he's doing with 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 Shady. Yeah, it's too bad because you know, like I said, Lashawn was uh, I think he was number three running back in fantasy coming into weeks week seven, and now he could have a multi week absence. I mean, I think they're going to push him as much as they can to get him to play on Sunday against the Patriots, but they do have a week ten bye, so they really can't. And they have uh, Seattle coming up in week nine. So these are two huge games that they want to win if they want to, you know, make it into the playoffs in the AFC and 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 try to contend for the AFC East title. Mm-hmm. So I uh, just just fools coaching by Rex Ryan, and and again, you know, you're never you're never shocked when Rex makes makes a mistake. No, never. <laughs> um, so now, speaking of coaches that make a lot of mistakes, Chip Kelly and the San Francisco 49ers. That offense. Uh, you know, they lost Carlos Hyde with a shoulder injury. Surprise, surprise, he's hurt. And now you're down to Sean Drawn, uh, Dewan Harris, and Mike Davis. Just three very blah options at running back. And it's not like their quarterback and, and pass receivers are much better because obviously Colin Kaepernick is is back under center center for the uh, for the 49ers and can't even hit. Uh, Jeremy Curley, who is the only player on that offense that's healthy, that kind of gets you excited, right? Yeah, and Mark loved him this week. He he thought he was going to be a really good, uh, viable daily fantasy option. Mm-hmm. And I hate to quote him again, but Sean was like, "You're high, you're high." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, on, in daily leagues, he actually wasn't terrible. I mean, he wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. I, I, he had one pass touchdown, and he had. Um, he had 150 rushing yards in two games. I think he had like 88 or 80 some odd rushing yards last week. So he put up solid numbers fantasy wise, but as an NFL quarterback, he looked terrible because he couldn't make any. His hair. any well, his hair is 
is god awful. He's really embracing the whole, you know, uh, power to the people type thing with that haircut. Really throwback to the sixties and seventies. Um, but he had a forty six percent completion percentage. He can't make the intermediate throws to Jeremy Curley, who is really I've never been a Tory Smith fan. Um, and he can throw the ball a mile, but he can't throw it accurately to Torrey Smith. And he can't throw it accurately to Jeremy Curley on intermediate routes. So not only are those two skill position players, there's uh, values in the toilet. But then you had, you know, breakouts like Vance McDonald that people thought could turn into something the tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin Patton, the wide receiver. Um, Garrett Selleck. I mean, other guys who who fantasy owners were really hoping could break out in this new Chip Kelly offense that's all about uh, a high amount of plays called and plays ran and getting everybody involved and just not only I mean Blaine Gabbert ran this op- this offense better for fantasy purposes but sadly I think that in, in the NFL Colin Kaepernick probably gives them a better chance to win um, but it's just it's an absolute mess in San Francisco right now I'm thankful that i only own jeremy Curley in like one or two leagues and he's the only guy that i even have on my roster um not that i rely on him by any means but it actually i i, I take that back i did just trade for colin kaepernick in the league which much to my chagrin but that's what happens when uh ben roethlisberger goes down with an injury yeah so you gotta do what you gotta do so but my question is let I me mean, i mean is is chip kelly just kind of going through the motions for the rest of the season and then he's gonna go back to like oregon or something like that i mean you're an oregon fan you, there you know are rumors chip. of this I've seen that. I've heard that. Yeah, I saw so, it I mean, on Football Scoop today. There's rumors of him leaving the NFL and going back to Oregon because they think that um, Mark is a Herfletch, Herfletch, something like that. The head coach of Oregon currently is on the hot seat. Yeah, one. I mean, one season where he's gonna might possibly end up being 50, uh, under 500, and that's it. That's it, buddy. So I mean, Kate. So my question, as an Oregon fan, would you embrace that, or, or I mean, wait, wait how do you, why how am do you, I constantly labeled as an Oregon fan? Like because you you cheer for Oregon over Ohio State. That's in the, not absolutely absolutely in not the true. bowl game. That is absolutely not true. <laughs> untrue. Well, okay, okay. As somebody who follows okay. Oregon much more than I do, that's fair. Um, would you do you think that it's a that it's not is it frowned upon to go back to your old job? I mean, I feel like Oregon fans welcome him back with open arms. Um, but Chip Kelly, if he left the NFL and went back to Oregon, is that kind of him coming back to the school with his tail between his legs? Or, or I mean, it could I, talk me through whether or not you think this is a good idea for him to go back or not? Do you think it's a good idea to go get paid, you know, three to four mil a year in a, the most comfortable place you've ever been in your entire life, where you have carte blanche to do anything you want and have, not have to answer to anybody but the guy who owns Nike? <laughs> I, I take that job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. I just think there's there's a lot of times where, you know, very rarely do we see coaches come back to, you know, where they found success. The only one I can really think of it off the top of my head is Josh McDaniels coming back to New England as the offensive coordinator after leaving for a few years and, and coaching in Denver and uh yeah. for I always Louis feel fans. like when he I always feel like when he came back to New England, he kinda I would love to have been there, but I think it went a little bit like this. He walks in the door head down a little bit. <laughs> he looks at, I'm he looks, sorry. He's at the boss and goes, Bill, you were right. And he just <laughs> goes, yeah, all right, get back to work. And then that's it. It's over. Yeah. And yeah. they move on. 
but I could I could definitely see that. That's kind of that's kind of how I envisioned it too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be great for you know not only Chip Kelly but also for Oregon football if he went back to Oregon. Uh, so I'm curious to see how this plays out. I just don't see him. Uh, you know, lasting. I mean, he's he, they won game one against the Rams, and and now they've lost six in a row. So the 49ers are an absolute mess. I don't know where they're going. I mean, they pretty much just resign or um, renegotiated Colin Kaepernick's contract to make it so he's a free agent at the end of the year. And they're saying, hey, pr- prove yourself here. And they have no future at quarterback right now on the roster. So if they want somebody, they have to draft him. Mm-hmm. It would be an, an absolute um, start up from the ground up. And if I don't know if I don't know if Chip Kelly wants to do that because he wants to have the legacy of running a program that continues to be successful. And you're not going to see that in San Francisco for at least three to four more years. And we all know in the NFL, unless you're Gus Bradley, um, there is (laughs) there's absolutely no patience with general managers in the fan base. They want success as soon as possible. Yeah, it's it's it might be time for him to jump ship. Yeah. So that was week seven and looking forward to week eight. Uh, you know, if you guys have any questions about who we should start or sit, we have a bunch of new followers on Twitter. Um, thank you for that. And they're not all sex bots. They're not all from Serbia. Um, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Again, hit us up with messages. Uh, we're going to go over our week eight point pounders right now. Um, last week went pretty well for us. I said that uh, Alex Smith was going to be the, the point pounder. And he actually he started off pretty hot against New Orleans, but did kind of tail off a little bit. Uh, but he did throw for two touchdowns and scored about 20-some-odd points in fantasy leagues. Um, but this week, I actually like a couple Tampa Bay Bucks. They're going against the Oakland Raiders, who can't stop a nosebleed right now, in the, the words of Bart Scott. Um, Mike Evans, he's been playing really well recently. Uh, he had two touchdowns last week. Oakland, there's, their secondary has got awful. Uh, Khalil Mack can't play every position on defense. I expect one or two long touchdowns from Mike Evans. I, I just have a feeling that he's going to put up one of those like eight for one fifteen two touchdown games. I can see that. It's funny to say in public, I have some really good feelings about some Tampa Bay players this week. <laughs> it's just hard to it's just hard to swallow that. It is. It is. And the other player I really like is Jaquiz Rogers. Uh, he's filled in for, obviously this is if Doug Martin is still injured and out with a hamstring injury. Um, if he is, Jaquiz has rushed for over hundred yards in the past two starts he's had. Um, he's been, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he hasn't found the end zone yet, which is a little bit frustrating, uh, for, you know, daily leagues and in the one or two leagues I do have him. but they're using him. I mean, he's, he's had uh, in the mid 20 rush, rush attempts, both games and he's done well with them. So, uh, I like Jaquiz Rogers to have a solid game against the um, the Raiders this week. If you're able to, you know, pick up Jaquiz uh, either via trade or he's definitely off the waiver wire at this point, um, I definitely say do that. And I will probably be picking up both players in uh, my DraftKings and FanDuel lineups this week. And that's really not saying much because I've I've lost about a hundred dollars this, this year playing uh, both FanDuel and uh, DraftKings. It's been very frustrating. I you know what I don't even play it too often. Um, if they throw out an offer like put in you know this, I'll get you get a little bonus money. I've done it that, right. but it doesn't interest me as much. Um, I I think it's because I enjoy the camaraderie of doing a draft with you, with like all our buddies, right? And then right. Just kind of like yeah, set it, forget it, and then dealing with it week to week. But there's some guys that live for this. They'll go six, seven games in one day, and I'm like, God bless mm-hmm. you, man. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys that actually you know have an algorithm that they use, and that's how they they pick their players. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty cool to kind of see the different strategies with that. But I'll tell you what, the most frustrating thing about daily fantasy is at the end of the day, once I put together my lineup. I just say to myself, there's no way I'm not going to win a million dollars. This lineup is fantastic. <laughs> You're the sold. Matchups, the matchups are great. You know, this guy is due for a big game, and then they always suck. I mean, there's only been like three or four times where I've had one of those teams that has been like absolutely dominant, and for a while I had a shot to win like $1,000. And for the most part, I'm just, you know, competitive in the small um, tournaments that I do with my buddies. But, you know, I agree with you uh, awesome. when it comes – I agree with you when it comes to the uh, just the, the the redraft leagues. I love the draft every year, and I love you know piecing a team for not only for week one but also for week twelve. You know, it's a lot different with with the uh, the daily, where obviously you draft a team and then you forget about the guys you had the next week. Right. Um, so, right, who are your point pounders this week? I'd like to, to hear who you got going for week eight. Uh, I have to stay with the uh, JAJE train. Um, yeah. It's hard not to start him. You know, double 200 yard games. I don't think he's going to get another 200 yard game, but right. I can see him going over 100 in uh, two touches. That's do you want to? Hey, what do you want to bet that he doesn't go over 102 touches? Does not. Who do they play this week? Uh, just tell me who. You, just tell me what you'd bet on it. Without, I'm not betting blindly. There's, well, just, just, just. Okay, let's say I, I, I guarantee he doesn't go over 75 yards. So bet that blindly. Are they playing the Patriots? No. Who are they playing, Luke? Tell me. Come on, just make the bet. I'm not going to take that bet. I'm not that big of an idiot. Yeah, you are that big of an idiot because they got to buy this week. <laughs> He's still a point pounder. <laughs> oh, my God. It's too good. It's too good. It's too good. See, this is why the fantasy gods knew you'd make an asinine comment like this. And that's why they didn't give you the win against me. They knew that I deserved it more for so many reasons. Moving on. Matthew Stafford <laughs> is my other point pounder for this week. Um, if, you would, if you would have been told earlier this year that Matthew Stafford would actually have his best year of his career this year without Calvin Johnson, right. um, that's, that's hard, a little bit hard to believe. But he has 105.7 rating. He's got 68% completion rating, with 15 to uh, touchdowns to four interceptions differential, which is the highest he's ever had at this point in the season. Yeah. He's spreading the ball around. Um, right? Is he the statistical leader um, in the NFL? No, but he's he's a solid quarterback. Um, I think he has a chance to to do something good and continue his success he's had this season. Uh, so he's kind of a sleeper, but I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford this week. Yeah, he's got Washington, um, who uh, Josh Norman could not finish the week seven game. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. Con- no, they, they played yeah, each other. They played each other. He finished, yeah. but he did finish up in the concussion protocol. Right, right. So uh, I'm just checking who's got week eight. So week eight, Matthew Stafford's got Houston, which, again, they just lost their number one cornerback uh, first-round pick last year to an ankle injury, I believe it was, or a knee injury. So he's on the IR. Um so Houston, you know, they're playing Monday night too, so we'll see how their secondary does against um, Trevor Simeon and Demarius Thomas and company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like that pick. I mean, what's interesting about um, 
Matt Stafford is, is not only is he just scoring points without um, Calvin Johnson, he's not making mistakes. He only has four interceptions so far in the season, which I'm not looking at his, his career numbers, but that has to be probably the least amount of interceptions he's thrown uh, this far into the season. And I got to believe it's probably probably because he's not forcing it to Calvin Johnson like he always used to do. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So I like Matthew Stafford this week. I think he'll be uh, solid against Houston. Uh, he does have a tough schedule coming up. He's got Houston, and then he's at Minnesota. So two tough games for him. We'll see what uh, really what he's made of uh, this, this next two weeks. And actually another thing, too, he hasn't thrown an interception in the past three games. His four picks have come the first three games in a row. So he's playing really good football right now. I, I like that pick. I liked it much better than the J.I.G.E. pick. That's for I sure. I still like the J.I.G.E. pick. I'm just making it for next week. I suggest that you start him this week. I better set that right now so I don't forget. <laughs> so that was episode 35 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. Uh, we had some laughs. We had some slam poetry. And we had some uh, some great starts by Jerry Burris. But no uh, questions. I can't believe it. We got Nobody wants T-shirts. I get it. Yeah. I don't get it was it. a short week Short week this week for the uh, for the questions, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, we'll be back. we to get this pod in before the World Series starts. Right, right. So we do have the Tribe coming in uh, playing against the uh, – the Cubs in the World Series, so we're hoping for yet another Cleveland victory. Yeah, everybody's um, a Cubs fan. I'm not. Go try, baby. Thank Tom you. Hanks is Tom Hanks is the Tribe yes, fan. Yes, he too. is. <laughs> uh, find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. You can find our Major League Baseball podcast, NEG Pod MLB, and then again our College Football podcast as well, NEG Pod CFB. Both of those are the Twitter handles. Check us out on Facebook and iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for Never Ending Glory Podcast. And please send us emails, negpodcast at gmail.com. As Jerry alluded to, if you send us in listener questions, you will potentially, most likely, get a T-shirt. Those T-shirts are going to be beautiful. We'll have those in about two to three weeks. Shout out to Proforma and, of course, Buckeye Vodka. Drink local. Drink your Moscow mules as you watch the Tribe win the World Series coming up here in the next few weeks. No doubt about it. So um, with that being said, Jerry, you got anything else for the people? Just go Tribe. Let's let's get this thing done. Go Tribe. Uh, go Ajayi. <laughs> Ajayi all day. All right, Jerry. I'll talk soon. Later. <laughs>